Hi, this is Nate with Triptoes. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Uh, it means a lot that you're willing to listen to a podcast about a topic that you likely had no prior interest in. You might hear some fuzz and hiss in this episode. Tiptoes was my first foray into podcasting, and I definitely fell into the Dunning-Kruger effect, believing that podcasting is easy and editing is likely easier. Hopefully the audio quality reminds you of a simpler time sitting on Grandpa's knee listening to the Prairie Home Companion or something like that. But without further ado, here is the inaugural episode of Triptoes. This is Triptoes, a podcast about an accidental masterpiece. My name is Nate. And I'm Lex. Lex and I have been friends for many years, and he was actually the one who showed me this film several years ago. And I don't think he realizes quite how obsessed I've become with this movie in that time. Uh, I've given him little glimpses, but... At this point, I've gotten him to commit to doing a podcast, so he's about to find out uh, just how far the rabbit hole goes. Yeah, they they say your mistakes come back to haunt you, but I wasn't expecting an 11-year gap from me showing you this terrible movie to waste your time <laughs> uh, being the prankster that I am to uh, now where I have, <laughs> I've been coerced into sitting here uh, with the little – the, the, the tiny bit of spare time that i have uh dedicated to recording this podcast with you it, it, it all comes back around full circle and so the the great part is so like not only are we talking about it 11 years later you had to watch <laughs> the film again 11 years later and you have no idea how many casualties have been roped into this experience as a result of what you started so i i've shown this movie to probably a dozen people um <laughs> And I, I, uh, it's, I'm, I'm, I don't consider myself to be a very like forceful person or personality. I don't like making people do things, but I've definitely made people watch this movie. And there is a really sick, sadistic kind of pleasure I get from it that I really can't get from anything else. Um, and I, uh, I just, I really can't wait to get into this with you, Lex. Um, would you mind giving our listeners a little bit of a glimpse into where you were 11 years ago? Um, how it was you came to know about this movie, why you wanted to watch it, make make your friends watch it. What What's yeah, the sure. story there? Um, so I would have to say that um, it was around this time that I really started uh, get, my, my sense of humor was um, – starting to develop a little bit more. We were probably sophomores or juniors or seniors in high school. And the, the exact date has been lost to the sands of time. Um, but I, I, you know, being the dumb high schooler that I was, I was really obsessed with the website Cracked, which used to be a magazine and then transitioned into a comedy website that's still running to this day. But um, I just remember getting a lot of like, my media um, re uh, uh, reviews and and um, resources from Cracked, which is a terrible place to get it uh, 
today especially but back then even and um I remember I don't I don't remember if it was specifically this Daniel O'Brien video who was once one of the uh, writers at Cracked. He has since moved on from Cracked. I have no idea what Dan O'Brien's up to nowadays, but he was one of my favorite uh, writers and he did a lot of acting for their their YouTube channel. Uh, he was one of my favorite guys because he was super smart, super nerdy. Um, he knew little details about every single little thing. Um, and I really just kind of admired that about like, I just related. I, I didn't necessarily relate to that. Cause I'm, I'm not super smart either, but I, I love like little trivia bits of knowledge that he would put out there. So basically the title of the video is officially the worst movie idea anyone's ever had. And that, that seems like a really clickbaity title. And this was back before like, clickbait was like a really big thing right um so you know or, or people were kind of wary of clickbait so this this was one of their more popular articles one of their more popular videos but uh i watched it and immediately was like oh my gosh i have to watch this movie it was at a point in my life where i started to get into like things that were so bad that it's good right like movies like the room um other things like that where it's just like uh, you know, I'm bored of kind of typical comedy. I want to experience something that like is what I, like I said, just so bad. It's good. And so this seemed like it was going to fall in that category. And in a way it did, but in a lot of ways it's like, was more than that. I, I remember like just watching it and just feeling this huge urge to share it with people. And I'm, I'm kind of like that in general, like with movies and TV shows and games and, and songs and stuff. Whenever I, I experience something that strikes a chord with me, I really want to share it with other people. Um, and this movie was no exception. So I, I, I do remember, uh, probably illegally downloading the movie or I, I don't think, I don't think we had a hard copy, a DVD, right? I'm pretty sure. I No, like, definitely not. I, it was on your MacBook. Yes. Yeah. I am almost positive. I illegally, and I think the, you know, I think it's long and long ago enough that the cops can't come and arrest me for this now. I, I don't, I, the, my, my pirating days are behind me. Not like me. those scary ads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My pirating days are behind me. Uh, and I don't think anybody would care that I would pirate this movie specifically, but, um, yeah. So I pirated this movie. I watched it. I, uh, I don't, I don't even really remember my initial reactions. All I knew that was that it was a strong enough reaction that I needed to make other people watch it. And so I had you watch it. I had uh, our, our buddy Jacob, um, which did we watch it all together or did I show you? I show him and we all talked about it. I don't even remember. Do you remember? So I'll tell you what I remember, and it might it might be uh, altered, but I'm pretty sure that you had not seen it yet and that both Jacob and I were at your house and we were just like chilling in the basement of your house uh, secretly smoking hookah and <laughs> <laughs> that was our, our form of re uh, rebellion as yeah. uh, high school youth group kids. Um, but we, uh, we were in your basement and it was the three of us and you had not seen it yet. I'm almost really, that you that's interesting. It it's interesting the way that memory works because, and maybe I'm just thinking of another, cause there's plenty of things that I watched and said, Oh, I need to show Nate this. Right. So it's totally possible that, we all watched this for the first time together. I, I, I believe that a hundred percent. So, 
So the only reason I think that we watched it together originally was because there was this conversation that felt like a conversation sure. of discovery afterwards. That essentially everyone was having recall of bits of this movie um, that you it, it just felt like you were remembering things that you had experienced, but they didn't seem real. <laughs> yeah, it did <laughs> like seem like a fever so. dream. Yeah, <laughs> like recalling yeah, an 100%. acid trip or something, you know. So that's that's my thought, but it, it actually is not really important either way whether you mm-hmm. had seen it before or not. Um, you, so we've done a lot about talking about our experience of this movie, and I have a feeling that most of our listeners have no idea what this movie is. What I want to do is to play them the audio from the trailer, which is kind of a masterpiece in its own right. And I want to see if people are able to even... Uh, conjure up the narrative of the film based on what they hear because I don't think or like we haven't mentioned like Um, who stars in this movie and if people are listening to this like raw and have no idea of anything about this movie like I want them it's it'd be a good exercise for them to really listen and to see if they recognize any famous voices because I promise you there are a lot of famous voices there were a lot of big name actors, <laughs> not big name actors now. I mean, they were, they are now too, but they were big name actors back then as well. Uh, and they all are in this movie, and it's pretty wild. So, Carol and Stephen's life together was perfect. I've got to get going right this second. Hey, baby. Hey, sweetie. I love you. There's one small problem. Hi, I'm Ralph. I'm his brother. We're twins. Are your parents, um... Yeah. It can tear them apart. I think you gotta let me know that everyone in your family's a midget. They're not midgets, Carol. Dwarfs. Whatever. Or bring them together. Hey, welcome. I'm Steven. Oh, there you are. This is Steven's father, Bruno, and his mom, Kathleen. And over behind the bar is Steven's brother, Ralph. Hi. You could have prepared us for this, don't you think? If you embarrass me, I'll never speak to you again, so just get it together. How's everybody great? I think maybe I'm pregnant. When the going gets rough, it's only the size of your heart that counts. Did it really be that big of a deal if our kid was a dwarf? You knocked up this great girl and you didn't tell her that her baby's probably gonna be little. I'm not like you. We are so cute and cuddly. Don't discriminate against us. You said these parties got a little wild. I never expected this. There's sure a lot of midgets around here. You better back off, Goldie Hawk. My man can do what he wants to do. <laughs> I'm ready for an adult relationship. What is this man doing in your bedroom? Ah! 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 A walk down the aisle. Ah, uh, Stevens, uh, he's a very lucky guy. I just hope he's smart enough not to screw it up. Is just a beginning. There'll be rough patches, there's no doubt about it. Canal Plus and Langley Productions proudly present command performances from Kate Beckinsale, Matthew McConaughey, Patricia Arquette, and in the role of a lifetime, Gary Oldman. <laughs> Tiptoes. Command that performance of a lifetime. So, yeah, you could say that again. <laughs> so, uh, oh man, there's just so much to talk about there. I'd be curious to hear. I mean, do you think that any any listener would have any idea 
what kind of movie this is. I mean, like, even genre-wise. What do you think the impression would be? Yeah. Just from um, hearing that. Daniel O'Brien does make the comment in this trailer that it's it seems like it would be a comedy, right? And so I think that's... It, it does feel kind of like... A, it's got, like, a 90s rom-com kind of feel to it, um, in my opinion. So I think that that's where people would like kind of assume but it is not it is not a rom-com at all <laughs> i don't know what do you think nathan yeah no i mean i i, I actually think it's like in a ge- generic no man's land like i don't know um that it the music actually completely yeah. throws me off uh, yeah, go for i think it. it's just a straight up like uh, 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 a drama piece right like if you if you watch the film without watching this trailer there, you know, there's nothing to really indicate it being, it it almost feels like watching a lifetime movie, right? Like it it really feels kind of like a really dry, uh, a little bit of romance, but not really because it's not like there's a, will they, won't they like, you know, they're already together. They're planning to be married. Like the main two characters are already together. They're planning to be married. So, you know, it's not really a, a, a romantic com- it's definitely not a romantic comedy there's nothing in the movie that's like really like comedic timing or anything like that that's not to say it's not funny right like we definitely laughed a lot during this movie because of how ridiculous it was and I'm lo- oh we're looking at the same page right now it is listed under comedy on YouTube which is I don't think that's what they were going for I I honestly don't I think now in hindsight people consider it a comedy but i really think the people that made this movie were really hoping to make like an impactful drama film okay that's really interesting i think we're gonna have a lot to talk about like this these these two the the two or at least two sides probably three genres that are not uh resolved in the movie so there's like this comedic element a dramatic element and and like a romance or even like a rom-com uh, flavor. So, I, I think we should now describe the plot of the movie <laughs> for those who haven't seen it, because I don't think the trailer even gives them a sense of that. So, I'm going to do my best here. So, I'm going to get this out of the way, too. Uh, basically, <laughs> no one I've ever talked to about this movie correctly refers to the characters by their name. You just, the actors are such big name people that you end up saying who the actors are every time. So, I'm going to go with that here. But, so Matthew McConaughey is a fireman instructor, and he is madly in love with Kate Beckinsale, who is a studio artist. Uh, they live, I think, presumably in San Francisco. It's it's not exactly sure. Yeah, it's it's a, a, a location in California. And just real quick, like you've gotten half a sentence into this, and I'm already interrupting you because I, I when I was watching it, I thought it was so funny. You know, like those. Um, uh, um, you know, on like HGTV shows where it's like, you know, I'm an artist and I'm a fire instructor and we have a budget of $2.3 million, right? For our new home. Like that's, that's 100% like what you get in this movie is like, how on earth are these two people living the way that they are on the incomes that they supposedly have? It's, I'm a it professional pencil absolutely. sharpener. Yeah. Like, yeah, like <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like, uh, 
it's so true. Like, yeah, the, the, the premise is already ridiculous. And then when you see what her studio looks like in the movie, you realize that they just have never met like a real human being before they made this movie. Um, but so they're madly in love and things are going very, very well until gasp Kate Beckinsale, uh, comes back with the pro- positive pregnancy test. She realizes that she's pregnant. And she has mixed feelings about this, obviously, but mostly excitement. And she's excited to tell her fiancé because they wanted to have children together eventually. But Matthew McConaughey's reaction is nothing like she expects. And the the drama of the movie begins to unfold here because Matthew McConaughey, this pregnancy, has forced him to reveal his secret life and his secret family, which is that he comes from a family of dwarves or little people. Now, the the rest of the movie, honestly, is not very coherent, so I'm not going to try and make it coherent. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what I will say is that the, the movie is about them deciding whether to keep the baby or to abort the baby. Um, they're negotiating their relationship, etc. Matthew McConaughey uh, introduces Kate Beckinsale to her to his family. And his brother, who is played by Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman plays a little person in this movie. It's important to note. It's important to note. Wait, first of all, let's repeat that. Gary Oldman, who's a very, very talented and versatile actor and one of my favorite actors, is on his knees playing a little person in this film, which that alone makes it like what the hell <laughs> like even back then this was okay and not only does is he playing his uh, his his brother he's playing his twin brother he's playing matthew mcconaughey ah, he's playing matthew mcconaughey's twin brother which is just it's just wild it's like you know the movie twins have you seen that one no actually with uh so it's basically like it, it's 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 a good movie because it's supposed to be a comedy. And the idea is Arnold Schwarzenegger is twin brothers with Danny DeVito. And it's, that's just so silly. And, <laughs> that's and, right. and you know, because it's so silly, <laughs> that premise works. Just the fact that they tried to convince us that Matthew McConaughey and Gary Oldman were twins alone. It's just so silly. It's so silly. <laughs> <laughs> the age disparity but you see how much older gary oldman is than Beth and also they have like different like dialects yeah. like daniel, o- daniel o'brien makes the comment that gary oldman sounds exactly like jeff foxworthy and i could not get that he out of looks my head like jeff foxworthy too he does he does so, they literally just said like hey can you just play jeff they couldn't get jeff foxworthy jacks they called jeff foxworthy and was like hey will you get on your knees and do a whole movie where you pretend to be a little person and he was like no i have more dignity than that <laughs> they were like okay we'll call gary oldman and have him pretend to be jeff foxworthy he's really what we were going for but we'll go for the recent oscar <laughs> award winner if we have to yeah um, exactly so th- those are the the broad strokes details of this movie and i i believe that we can make an a podcast of several episodes about this movie and if we are to continue with this uh, i think it's important to emphasize right out the gate that um, <laughs> we are going to be making fun of this movie a lot, but at no point is it our intention to 
um, make fun of little people or dwarves. In fact, the that is not even the element of the movie that is funny. Like the part of the movie, right. the part of the movie that is funny because it's bad is everything that surrounds that and everyone else's decisions <laughs> in creating this movie. So. Yeah, yeah, that's like well, the one thing the movie does have going for it is that like because they decide decided really not to make a comedy or at least like if they were they failed spectacularly. I can't think of a single. I just watched it last night and I don't think there was a single kind of like little person aimed at joke in the whole thing. Uh, and like really, it's it's crazy because they did a great job casting like all of the other little people in this movie. And if they just would have gotten one more little person to play his twin brother, there would be like almost nothing like problematic with this movie. It feels like, like, I don't know. I could be wrong. And Nathan, you might be like, like, what the heck are you talking about? There's still lots of other terrible things about this movie, but at least you could make the argument that this movie is, is doing a portrayal of what it's like to live in a family with little people. Right. Um, but that all, that whole notion goes out the window when they, the casting decides to hire Gary Oman and they decide to put, you know, do a, use a green screen on his legs and have him walk around on his knees. It just completely undoes all of the other work that they did finding these amazing actors and actresses to play the rest of the cast of little people it's crazy i don't know did i can't remember we just watched it but did the trailer mention um uh oh man what's his name peter dinklage um from game yes did did the trailer no i don't think he gets a credit he has a line no but he doesn't get a credit yeah yeah he is um he i don't know if he was super famous at this point at least not as famous as the other actors but now obviously he is and the fact that he was in this movie too and he, i think he does a great job he's one of the the best characters in this movie in my opinion like he's really really funny and, and he plays his part super so i have well. to uh, agree with you that if they changed oldman's casting things would get better but there there are there are so many things other aside from that that would not yeah. be fixed by that sure. um but the interesting thing like we got to talk about that decision just real quick. Like, do you think that they were going for something like, you know, in the early 2000s, there were movies like Radio and like, um, I'm trying to think, other movies that were kind of like Oscar baity, you know, where people are playing sure. either like handicapped people or. Yeah. And like, even before that, you have things like Rain Man or uh, uh i mean there's lots of examples i mean like not uh, like a dramatic version would be a yeah. beautiful mind oh uh force um right right or uh force gump yes things like that uh yeah i definitely think that's that was uh part of the thinking is like oh if dustin hoffman can play a guy with autism then you know why can't gary Ullman play a little person right like uh, back then it was a lot more like they're actors, right? They are supposed to be able to play all sorts of different things. Um, and, and you know, it's just a movie. Like, don't make a big deal out of it. And I, I, I personally could not disagree with that more. I think, like, there's enough great actors out there of all different sizes and shapes and abilities that, you know, you already got Matthew McConaughey for this movie, right? Like, 
you already got Kate Beckinsale for this movie. Why did you need Gary Oldman? Like, I just don't, I don't understand that. I just think it's, it was such a wild choice. Mary, maybe Gary Oldman was the bait for the other actors. They're like, that, we got you know, Gary Oldman. That's... And so they were able to get everyone else. But... That could be very, very true. It's like, they were like, oh yeah, we have this new project. It's it going to be a super great, you know, uh, uh, movie. We got Gary Oldman and all the other actors are like, oh yeah, he's really hot right now. I'm in. And they get there and he's on his knees and they're like, wait, what is going on? <laughs> Nobody told me about this. I don't know. I just have to assume. I have to assume that some people were left in the dark about the details of this movie going in when they agreed to do it. Because I, I just can't imagine a world back in 2004 or 2003 when they first started making this movie where there were it takes so many people to make a movie right it takes so many you know writers and producers and and a director and actors and you know people making the sets and all, and every single person thought that this was okay you know that this was a a, a good thing to do uh, or, or just an acceptable thing to do is just pretty buck wild to me. And it's something that definitely 100% would never happen today. Like no way would this movie get made today. I think you're right. I think you're right. So you've, you've got like really piqued my interest. I just have to hear what was your experience like watching this movie now versus watching it <laughs> however long ago it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I it, I have so I'm obviously in a very different place in my life now. Uh, Eleven years is a long time. I'm much. I I, I have. Uh, I feel much older now. I have. Um, I have three kids. I'm married. I have three kids. Um, my oldest daughter actually does have a disability. She has autism. Now, obviously, that's very very different from uh, dwarfism. But I think any parent with a disability can. Uh, will watch this film kind of in a different light, I think, than someone who doesn't. Uh, specifically, the kind of struggles that Matthew McConaughey kind of goes through with bringing a human being in this world, knowing that their life is going to be very, very different than, you know, most of the people around them, right? Um, and that's something we can definitely get more into in a different, in a, another, another episode. Um, I don't want, I don't want to, you know, uh, get too heavy <laughs> in this first episode. I kind of want to keep it lighter, but, um, yeah, I think that, uh, there's a lot of things that this movie is saying that I didn't pick up the first time. I wasn't mature enough as a teenager to really get what they, the messages that they were trying to kind of like talk about now, do they successfully like have anything interesting to say about these messages that they're trying to get? Absolutely not. <laughs> like there's a lot of unresolved things that, that they just kind of bring up and leave there. Um, but I think that uh, it, it was, pr it's pretty interesting that a movie that was made back in 2004, even though they did have their blunder with using Gary Oldman, it, you know, it's basically blackface, but for, little people right is that's what it is that's what it comes down to it's like you would never you would never do that nowadays it's you would be crucified right um but beside like if you can if you can look past that which i'm not saying you should but if you can there are some things in this movie that 
you would not expect from a movie uh, from this time period. Like uh, the fact that, you know, they there's a lot of talk about like abortion. Right. Even more important than that is like, is it is it worth bringing a baby into this world if you know that, you know, that they're going to go through pain, if that they're going to you know have their lives uh be affected by this thing that you you know know is in your genetic pool right um there are a lot of things about like uh uh, being in a relationship and um you know hiding things from that person and um uh you know that they I don't know if this, how much spoiler territory we want to get into in the first episode, but like, oh, you can spoil everything and, here. Yeah, We're, I hope everyone watches the <laughs> movie is, either before this, or after yeah. this first episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this movie came out in two thousand four. Like, come, you have, you've had time to do it to watch it. Uh, go watch it right now. In the video that Daniel O'Brien made for Cracked, he kind of he has this point where he says that the the whole crux of the movie, the whole driving force, is whether or not they want to have this child, right? Um, and you mentioned it, too, when you were talking about the plot of the movie. is like, oh, there's this huge question of, like, do they want to keep this baby or not? But I would argue, watching, uh, watching this the second time, I really actually don't think that that is the, the driving force in the movie, that that's the crux of the movie, because that gets resolved pretty early on, Right? Like, basically, within the first 30 minutes, um, Kate Kate Beckinsale finds out that she's pregnant. She tells Matthew McConaughey he's not happy about it. She meets his brother and realizes that their their whole family is little people. She kind of realizes why Matthew McConaughey is, you know, he reacted the way that he did. And she starts to have some doubts on whether she wants to keep this baby or not. And then right after that, she meets... uh, uh, um, Gary Oldman takes her to meet some of their extended family who are also little people. And almost immediately she realizes like, Oh my gosh, like how could I even consider aborting this baby or giving it up for adoption? Yes. Or whatever it would be. Yeah. Right. Right. Like she like immediately is like, these people are regular people. They live happy, healthy lot, not necessarily healthy because that was Matthew McConaughey's main concern, which we'll get into, but they live, they can live happy lives, fulfilling lives. And that she, she realizes that very early on. And that pretty much seals the deal for her. Like she knows she's going to keep this baby. Right. And sure. Later on, Matthew McConaughey and her have a few more conversations about it, but at the end of the day, there's not anything that's going to convince her to, to give this baby up. Right. Um, and so I personally believe after watching this a second time, this movie is not so much about the decision for her to whether or not she's going to give up, uh, she's going to, you know, carry, carry through with this pregnancy. I think that the movie is more about Matthew McConaughey and his, uh, mental health. I, the first time I watched this movie, I didn't, I, I had not really been in a serious relationship with another person and I didn't really know like the intricacies of that. And, you know, now I've been married for quite a while. I have, like I said, I have three kids. And so I, I know a lot more about that. And I never realized 
when you watch this movie, I don't know if you get this feeling, Nate, but Matthew McConaughey starts off as like this really nice, seemingly nice guy. And he seems to really love Kate Beckinsale. But there are moments in this film where he kind of snaps almost. And I kept, I kept getting this feeling of dread. Like I knew how the movie ends up. I know that they're going to be fine, but I kept getting this feeling of dread that he was going to just straight up start beating her or worse. <laughs> like, like he just, whenever she kind of disagrees with him or there's a few moments in the film where he just loses it. Right. And especially the moment where she tells him that she wants him to, to seek some counseling. I think that's another big thing in this movie that is, is it's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, back then there was a lot of stigmatism around mental health, especially for men, right? Like Matthew McConaughey kind of reacts the way you, you would expect men back then to. And it's, even today, there's a lot of men that I know now that wouldn't, you know, would react uh, kind of similarly, but like, I think that it's so important to bring up the fact that like Kate Beckinsale very early on recognizes that Matthew McConaughey has a lot of baggage um, associated with his feeling towards his families and it's really affecting him and it's going to affect the way that he can love his kid. I never realized this that before when I first watched this movie, how like this movie isn't about whether or not Kate Beckinsale should keep the baby. It, the movie is about Matthew McConaughey realizing that some real issues that he needs to work out. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much of this is like just bad acting or bad writing uh, and how much of this was intentional. And maybe I'm just reading into it too much, but I I don't know. Had you ever, yeah. (laughs) Had, had you ever considered that point, Nathan, have, in your research on this film? Has this ever come so, up? So, no, I, I, I can honestly say no. So the the way I'll put it is that, um, I guess, yeah, if I'm being frank, like my interest in the movie it almost has nothing to do with Matthew McConaughey, which is really the opposite of, I think, most people. <laughs> um, and so um, the he is like one of the many moving parts in my opinion, but yeah. the, um, the, man, that I've got to think about that more, the, bi- the, the, like, potential bipolar hypothesis, or, or just, like, his, um, yeah, compartmentalizing, or, uh, like, suppression of certain, like, facts about himself in his relationship, and those kind of coming out in ways he didn't want. Right. It's kind of, it's, it's wild. Like, they don't, like Gary Oldman kind of his character kind of gets into it. Like, why are you so embarrassed by us? But they really don't address it very much where it's like he dated this woman for a long time. They were about to be married and he didn't reveal anything about his family to her. Like that's you, a, a mentally sane person doesn't do that. That's so true. Right? Like, it, yeah. Like there's obviously like, you know, he denies it and he's like, you know, I just didn't get around to it, blah, blah, blah. But I think that there. Uh, you know, Kate Beckinsale brings it up multiple times where she's like, I, I, she uses a word, um, which I'm not sure if it fits, but she's like, she, he, she believes that he has a lot of, um, uh, what is the word she uses about his family? Um, uh, it starts with an A, um, oh, not necessarily, no, not angst. Um, 
I, I, it, whatever. He, he obviously loves his family, right? He goes to that convention at the beginning of the movie. He, he is there for his brother as much as he can be. Like he obviously cares about his parents and his siblings and all, all of the little people in his life. But I think that he has had, he has obviously had some, um, uh, negative experiences with like the way that society sees him as being the only non-dwarf in a dwarf family that has really that's really messed him up Mm -hmm. i also have a theory i not only do i have have a theory about him having bipolar i also have a theory about him being in the navy but we can get into that later because it's a very brief scene where he's talking to his soon-to-be father-in-law, and he mentioned he's going to be in the navy, he, or he was in the navy. Um, and immediately after that, uh, his dad interrupts him, and so they don't get into you know as soon you know where he was stationed and all that stuff. And so I think that like he had a trauma- traumatic experience in the navy, um, and that probably adds to wow. To this, but yeah. I like that. Yeah, so there's even like an explanation hidden in the movie potentially yeah. that they just didn't emphasize properly right. is kind of I think uh, I I really so do think and I could be completely wrong about this, but I really do think that they if they if they were I don't know if it was just because they didn't have enough time or the writers you know wanted to put all of this really deep stuff in the movie and it got cut or I, I don't know what the happens you know or maybe it was just bad writing and i'm reading too much into this right but i it really really feels like to me on the second watch that there is something that they were trying to say with this movie about mental health about uh relationships with your family and with your your kids and with your significant other um that they just weren't able to to portray fully right but anyway this probably wasn't why you brought me onto this podcast you just wanted to make fun of bad movie with me and i'm like here's this <laughs> here's this uh crazy conspiracy theory about how this movie is actually really deep it's it's actually great so i mean the thing i hope you feel this way too like we've hardly scratched the surface of this oh 100 percent. this is really wonderful honestly so I did not expect to find out things about this movie that I didn't know in this conversation. And I think this, this bodes really well for the, the uh, podcast moving forward. <laughs> so I guess at this point, there are a couple things I'd like to do um, before we wrap up. So first and foremost, I would love to get your sense for the things in this movie that are strange that need to be explained. So, like, what what aspects of, like, so the, the movie is famously nonsensical. Um, what parts of the movie or, like, decisions in the movie strike you as most strange? Yeah, I think the, the most shocking thing to me and the thing I did not remember from the first time we watched this movie and I got on my phone and I texted you immediately after I finished uh, was the ending. What happens at the end, the very last second of the film and you're, you're just left there kind of slack jawed. <laughs> like it, it was that I, I was not, I did not see that coming despite the fact that I've seen this movie already. Um, I think also, I think also like the whole subplot with Peter Dinklage and the hitchhiker they pick up and the fact that, uh, yeah, yeah, it's Bertrand Shark. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
that whole series and like how he's connected in this uh is pretty wild <laughs> and um uh yeah i think that i'm sure there's a lot of other things i'm forgetting uh but yeah there there's a whole lot of like non sequitur things in this movie that you're just like wait wait what <laughs> so okay this is a, a great start and i think this will be a nice way to like pencil in some of the things we're going to track in the rest of the podcast so i love what we started with which is the sense that like the, the genres in this movie are out of whack um so that needs to be explained yes uh you mentioned uh the ending needs to be explained in some way and i my sense is that that is related to the first question it has to do with genre um but that's just my suspicion um sure. and then you mentioned that we need some explanation for why peter dinklage is playing a french um person in this movie and how that... <laughs> marxist <laughs> a french yeah, yeah, a, that a french marxist yeah the 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 teaser i'll give everyone is i actually do have an answer for that wow i'm i'm very excited to learn yeah yeah so i do that is one of my greatest achievements as a researcher <laughs> is figuring this out which i don't think anyone else has i know why he is in the movie oh i'm so excited um, to learn yeah <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of other things um, that we off the top of my head that we need to explain sure. um I think, oh, I mean, just some of the genetic facts about dwarfism, yes. I think, are, mm -hmm. are, are unclear. You know, like hereditary stuff. I, I would also, like I said, I'm not a doctor, so I, I would like to also know how relevant um, Matthew McConaughey's fears, like, or how uh, um, justified his fears are of, like, do little people really go through that much pain as babies and as children? Like, is that a pretty common thing? Uh, I would hope that if it was back then, hopefully it's not anymore, but I have no idea. That would definitely kind of explain a little bit more about, like, why Matthew McConaughey's character reacted the way that he did or what, what this movie is trying to say about that, I guess I should say. Uh, is that is that a real thing that, that little people have to, to deal with? Um, medically, you know, I'm sure there's medical complications that happens with any disability, but um, is it a pretty standard thing for, for the babies and the children? I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Do you have the answer to that? So, uh, so actually, I do have a lot of answers. Um, I, I cannot speak to experience. Um, uh, I, I do not have any friends or acquaintances who are dwarves. Um, but I have, uh, I have done a lot of research actually about it. Great. Um, so I, I do, we will kind of get into that a little bit later on. We'll also get into some of the questions of, uh, like representing disability too. Oh, definitely. Uh, which yeah. is kind of one of the, the cooler things to think about. I think this movie actually really helps us like think about like what it means to represent, uh, disability in movies. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. it, it's probably one of the biggest gaffes, um, <laughs> I can think of, but, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that kind of marks the terrain. The sort of surprising thesis I want to leave us with with this movie, um, and I, I want to see if, if you, Lex, buy this and if our listeners buy it as well, is I actually think that almost everything weird in this movie has an explanation. Mm. Um, and that it's not, it wasn't just neglect or like a coke-fueled, 
like <laughs> days that made the movie the way it is that there are actually facts about its production, who was involved, what, who was directing, why the movie was being made at all and by like which studios, etc. Um, these things actually shed a lot of light onto why the movie turned out the way it did. Um, and in some, in some cases makes people much more sympathetic. It doesn't make the movie any less bad, but it makes like people involved with the movie a little bit more sympathetic, yeah. which I think is a good thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I would just be interested to see if, if, uh, if people will go along or if people track with that thesis that the, it's nonsense can be explained when we think about how it was made and by, by whom. Yeah. I mean, that makes me, I hope that's true. I hope that that thesis is correct and that I, I agree with you by the end of this, because that kind of gives a little bit of, uh, of credence to what I was saying about my theories on it, that, you know, there's a lot more intentional uh, uh, plot points or not. No, sorry. There's a lot more of intentional like things that this movie is trying to say than, you know, one might first uh, discover when first watching this movie. So thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on Crypto's.